This episode is supported by Code Comments, an original podcast from Red Hat. You know when you're working on a project and you leave behind a small note in the code, a code comment, to help others learn what isn't clear in the code? This podcast features technologists who've been through the tough tech transitions and share how their teams survived the journey. In each episode, Red Hat's Jamie Parker recounts the behind-the-scenes stories of experienced technologists from across the industry who share what they've learned from implementing new technologies. Episodes are available anywhere you listen to podcasts and at redhat.com slash code comments podcast. Search for code comments in your favorite podcast player, and we'll also include a link in the show notes. Our thanks to code comments for their support. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. It is Aaron for Cloud News, but I am on the road this week. I'm actually not in the massive studios and for Cloud News this week, actually. There's a whole bunch of cloud news in there. Um, it is just absolutely amazing the, the amount of cloud news we have. But I'm not going to go over it this week because we actually have some giveaways. Um, we've uh, partnered with some folks for some events here recently and uh, really excited to announce a couple of these. First of all, All Things Open. If you're not familiar with All Things Open, we've partnered with them in the past. A very large open source conference here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we have five free passes to give away for the event. You do have to be there in person. So if you are considering attending All Things Open, it is coming up uh, October 15th to the 17th. There is a link in the show notes for five free passes. If you want to go to the event, just click on there. Discount code gets applied and you get to go for free. If those are gone, there is another link in there for a 20% off discount code as well. Now, This event, like I said, partnered with them in the past, attended the event in the past, really, really highly recommended and huge thanks to the folks over at All Things Open for their continued partnership. And we also have a second giveaway this week as well. Haven't partnered with these folks before, but looking forward to this, Packet Publishing Limited is putting on a virtual event all about AI. It's put generative AI to work. And it goes from October 11th to the 13th. It is completely virtual conference. Normally, it would have a cost with it. But uh, they were gracious enough to give us three passes to give away. Now, easiest way for this one is just go ahead and email us. If you're interested in this after you've listened to this, show at thecloudcast.net. Mention in there in the subject line, Uh, free pass for the Put Generative AI to Work conference. And the first three folks that listen to this and ask for that will certainly uh, get you hooked up with a free pass to that. If those are all gone, there is also a 40% off discount that we're also going to include in there. So highly recommend you go check that out. If this is something that is of interest to you, definitely, definitely go ahead and get registered for that as well. So Again, all things open. That one is in person in two weeks. Put generative AI to work is virtual and it is next week. With that, I'm going to wrap up this and we're going to, after the break, we're going to be talking with Mike Long and we're going to be talking about the challenges of enabling governance and compliance into DevOps. 
Are you looking to stay ahead of the curve in the latest trends in enterprise tech? Look no further than the Breaking Analysis podcast with Dave Vellante. This data-driven program dives into the most important topics facing the enterprise tech industry today. With a data-first approach that leverages ETR's renowned surveys of IT decision makers and insight from the Cube community, Breaking Analysis delivers in-depth research on the most important topics facing technologists and IT buyers. Whether you're a business leader, an IT professional, investor, or just an avid follower of the industry, this podcast is a must-listen. Just search Breaking Analysis Podcast wherever you get your podcast and tune in today to stay ahead of the game in enterprise tech. And we're back. And folks, as you know, uh, you know, one of the areas that we love to cover and we love to cover it from a lot of different angles is uh, is DevOps and DevOps in in all the many forms that, you know, it's sort of uh, in today and how it's evolved. Um, kind of very good timing to be talking about DevOps is uh, DevOps Enterprise Summit is happening this week out in Las Vegas. Um, and one of the areas that, you know, for all the things that people get excited about with DevOps in terms of, you know, number of deploys per day and, you know, working better with teams and better collaboration and blameless postmortems. One of the realities is, you know, no matter how much faster, how much more efficiency you're able to get um, out of your DevOps practice, out of the way that you organize, at some point, um, you know, the business still has to adhere to certain governance principles. It has to adhere to certain security principles and things that, you know, make sure that they you know, stay abreast of the law, stay, you know, within the guidelines that they need for their industry. And so, you know, finding that balance between, uh, you know, sort of the speed and efficiency of DevOps and, uh, you know, the, the requirements that the business has um, is sometimes a challenge. And we want to dive into that aspect of DevOps today and, and really kind of, um, you know, get a better feel for what are best practices and, and what are some tips and tricks that people can learn uh, in far as that going forward. So really excited today to have Mike Long, who is CEO at Cosley. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah. You are, uh, you're actually out in Vegas this week at uh, DevOps Enterprise Summit. Um, before we dive into that, give folks um, a little bit of uh, a little bit of your background. And then obviously, uh, you know, you, you've started Cosley, you've been leading that company. Give us a little sense of, of uh, where the company focuses and, and maybe even, you know, what your, your focus is this week at, uh, at DevOps Enterprise Summit. Sure thing. Um, so I guess zooming out, the, the reason why I'm here is the same reason I've been inside in, involved in DevOps from the very beginning is that I'm just fascinated by how teams do their work. And, you know, DevOps is a great place to, it's kind of like the, a community for folks that are kind of exploring all these uh, ideas. Uh, before I started Cosly, actually, I was a, a DevOps consultant. I was a CTO at a DevOps consultancy business. And it was great because, you know, I got to go and look at the real challenges that real organizations in the enterprise have when it comes to delivering DevOps. And, you know, everyone thinks they have quite unique challenges and, and some do in fairness, but you know, you go to automotive uh, companies, and they would say, "Oh, we need to meet the 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 ISO two six two six two standard." Or you'd go to a financial services company, and they say, "Ah, the auditors wouldn't like that. We need to have our change advisory board." And you know, you'd go to places that were working in healthcare. And it'd be, you know, the same story over and over again. Right. We couldn't because of constraints. And generally, if you zoomed out, the constraints were the same everywhere. Right. You needed to have a process, like some way that described how you did your, your work that managed your risks. Uh, you needed to actually follow that process. And actually, DevOps is great for that because it kind of puts everything on rails. Uh, and then the third part is you needed the proof that you followed your process. So like you needed to, like some places would talk about um, audit trails. Others would talk about the, the change release notes. 
other folks would talk about, you know, at, at the end, it was it was a story of receipts. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, I, you know, when I introduce, introduce governance to like the the general audience, I, I talk I talk about going to buy coffee, right? If you if you go into Starbucks, you order your pumpkin spice latte. A few minutes later, you know, after you've tapped your card, you're walking out there with, a, with, your, with your coffee. You know, everyone's happy. You've got your coffee. They've got their money. That's the end of a happy story, right? Um, but say you're on a business trip like I am now, and you go down into the lobby, go to Starbucks, and you order your pumpkin spice latte. Uh, everything's the same, except this time I'll ask for a receipt. And, you know, I'll maybe take a picture of it. It'll go into some system of accounting, maybe form a ledger, it'll have tax and legal implications, and it might be audited sometime in the future. It's the same thing. Like, in both cases, I want a coffee, uh, but the story around what you need to keep track of is completely different. And, you know, like not every time you go for a coffee, you need a receipt. Not all kinds of software delivery or software development need receipts. But if you're working in... Banking, financial services, healthcare, automotive, safety critical systems, pharmaceuticals, healthcare. Well, actually, there's a lot of places where you actually need the receipts. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm interested in. It's all about how we how we make that less painful. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting because it's when you talk to folks who you know, obviously when you if you're just talking to developers. Um, you know, they're always focused on, you know, how do I build what's new? How do I you know, get get through as much as I can do? And you talk to folks who are responsible for for auditing and governance and and compliance and so forth. And it, it always it does sort of feel like you're walking around on eggshells with them. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, oftentimes when you break it down, it becomes, you know, um, tell us what you said you're going to do. Show us how you do that and then show us how you can validate what you what you said you were going to do, um, which, you know, in, in long form is, is exactly what you said. Show us the receipts for what you did and prove, prove that you, you did what you said. Mm. Um, I'm curious, you know, as, as you've evolved in, in both your career, but also, you know, what you're doing today, um, you know, wh- where do you find the biggest bottlenecks today in terms of, you know, businesses come up with ideas all the time. Um, the, sometimes the expectation of those business ideas nowadays is, well, I need a digital experience. I'm going to need some sort of application or software to be written. And yet, you know, we still sort of have this this fear of of governance or this, you know, concern. Like, w- what do you think drives either that that ongoing concern or just the bottlenecks in order to to sort of match the the speed that business wants to move and, and the speed that you know companies are able to deliver it, you know, in in compliant fashion? Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's actually we're, we're kind of relearning the same. Um, same lessons we learned with the, the formation of the DevOps movement in the sense that, you know, if we wind back the clock yeah. 10, 15 years ago, there was dev and there was ops. And, you know, they would speak different languages. They would be rewarded by different incentives. And they have different values, essentially. One would be focused on keeping the system stable and up. Others would be changing the systems as fast as they could. And, you know, the whole point of DevOps was to get those two tribes together to stop being in different silos, different parts of the organization, and actually collaborate on what was a shared value stream. Um, and we see the same thing with uh, with governance. So in companies, you'll have people typically outside of the, the, the engineering loop that are coming up with requirements, doing first-line audits, uh, setting standards, man- managing change processes and risk. Uh, you call them like the governance folks. And, and they, you know, 
they're making up rules about technology they don't really understand or work with. And, and the same is true on the other direction, whereas engineers are providing evidence to uh, to the governance functions that is really hard for them to understand. Yeah. So we kind of we have this silo problem again, and it's it's about the language. But you know, again, it's all part of the same value stream. Um, it's kind of like we need this balanced scorecard. You need both the governance and you need the engineering. And the only way to really do it well is to like break down the silos and work together. So uh, I think that's the the thing that I find over and over again is the same same problem, whether it's security. You know, you go to a, a company and they talk about their DevSecOps um, a transformation. And I, you know, as a, as a bit of a granddad, I was, I was just like, why do we have to have another word for DevSecOps or DevBizOps? And I was at a, a DevOps Days in Zurich, I think, last year, and somebody gave a great lightning talk and said, well, look, it might not, it's all DevOps in the end, right? But what they do by using that label is give you a clue what what their fundamental challenge is. Yeah. So if they say DevSecOps, it means they want to do DevOps, but security is a real challenge for them. And they, ah, okay, wait, this is actually actually quite useful and interesting. So maybe um, all of these different permutations of DevOps actually do shine some light on what's going on in a company. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is actually, that's an interesting way of thinking about it because it, it, you're right, it does it does sort of highlight the thing that people are most struggling with. Um, you know, mm. it's almost, you know, I don't want to call it a cry for help, but it's it's almost like, you know, it's like if a teacher were to give you the answers to the test ahead of time, they're sort of like telling you, look, this is what you should study. This is, this is the important stuff. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned, you, you know, you, you feel like to a certain extent we're kind of reinventing or relearning some things that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, previous generation or even, you know, eight or 10 years ago, people were, were figuring out how do you, how do you sort of explain to, to, to software teams, to development teams, sort of what, you know, what, how to, how to interact with those say auditing teams or those compliance teams, right? I, Cause I think sometimes there's this fear of like, well, if we're outside of compliance, maybe somebody goes to jail. Maybe we have this, you know, enormous fine that, you know, is, is crippling to the business or, or whatever, but at the same time, I, I suspect there's a, a thing in their mind that sort of says, "Well, I mean, do you have to be compliant for like a moment in time, or do you have to sort of like constantly be compliant?" Or you know, so so for anybody who who maybe doesn't have to necessarily deal with this, but but might end up in a role that you know compliance is a is a part of what they do. Like, give us a sense of how should they be thinking about this uh, that that other team or the you know the language they should be using to interact with them. Well, I think, like I said, I think we have a lot of the tools and knowledge for how to solve this problem before because we, we've done it in software when we, like, it used to be that QA was a separate department yeah. and you would do a bunch of development and you'd give it to them to find out if it worked or not. And we realized that, okay, that's not that's not a productive way of making software. What we need to do is to make all the manual stuff that used to be in a big folder of release criteria and automate it. Well, you don't get rid of the, the the testers. You put them in the team, and they're doing exploratory testings. They're really validating the product in real time with the development process. Yeah. Uh, and we did the same with ops, right? Ops, the, the DevOps movement is kind of the same learning. It's like, okay, instead of having them over there as part of the please maybe make a final change to the world, it's like let's bring them in and figure out how we can make these changes safely on a on a more repeatable business. 
So in the same way, if you want to talk to your governance folks, you need to bring them closer to the work. Like they have to really be very close. Now, for in some cases, they can't be organizationally part of the team because of uh, legal requirements, for example. Uh, in banking, you have like the three lines of defense concepts and so on, where it's it's kind of the whole point is that these um, parts of the organization are supposed to test against the, the controls that are in place. Right, right. But it doesn't mean you can't talk to them and really collaborate because what's kind of interesting is because you have the siloed structures, things tend not to get improved. So what I find is like the most productive way to kind of get the ball rolling is to talk about continuous improvement on your risk uh, policy. So it could be we want to improve how we are mitigating against insider threats or we want to we want to get better at doing audit. We want to reduce the cost of audit. We want to have more successful outcomes or you know talk about the outcomes you would like to achieve together with the risk folks. And then you can start to have a conversation. Well, actually, maybe instead of filling out a form, it's better to gather this information automatically because it's going to be more correct and you're going to make sure that you have consistency in the data you're collecting. You know, things like this. And step by step, you can build trust and have the conversation because the biggest challenge that you face in the regulation process is that nothing changes. You, you come up with a process in 2004 and guess what? Today we still have a cab meeting every release. Right. And, you know, it's just to have the conversation, but, you know, that that requires a little bit of kind of transformational leadership as well. Folks higher up in the food chain that actually want to see these things improve. Right, right. Well, and, and I think you, you highlight something that's really important, really kind of two things. One is, uh, you know, it, it sounds like um, like a lot of things where you're you're dealing with, with different groups that may not necessarily be familiar with the other one. And, you know, they're, they're describing things back and forth to each other. And you're kind of, you're kind of looking at them, you're trying to understand, you know, like, what are, what are they talking about? And, and oftentimes when you, you know, you use that old Stephen Covey principle of, of begin with the end in mind, where you mm-hmm. sort of tell them, well, like, this is, this is what good will look like. Let's figure out how we get to that. And, and like you said, you may find that, you know, somebody says, well, this, this requires a form and you go, well, you know, does it have to be that, right? Could it be something else or, okay, you know, will, will this thing that we already have in place, will that do? Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really important. I think the other thing you, you know, you highlighted, um, was just this idea that, that it's not a, you know, it's not a one-time thing, right? It's, it's, it's like you said, the, the goal for both of you is to, is to be in compliance. Obviously the, the compliance officer has to be somewhat arm's length from things because they have a responsibility, but, um, but yeah, this isn't, this isn't sort of a game of, you know, this isn't sort of a zero sum game. This is really sort of a, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's keep the bank in compliance. Let's keep the insurance company in compliance. And, um, yeah, understanding that is, is important. Um, so, so I'm curious, so software development kind of boils down to all these sort of impedance mismatches, right? Everybody kind of wants things Mm. to go faster and maybe, you know, testing seems like it slows things down or, you know, what security seems like it slows things down. How does, how does, you know, the, the work that you do with Cosly, how does that help, um, you know, reduce some of these things or just, you know, kind of find a, maybe a better balance um, between sort of expectations and, and and the ability to deliver? Well, I mean, kind of going back to how they begin with the end in mind, that's kind of our whole philosophy in Causeless, that we want to record the receipts, the facts about your systems without 
necessarily making any kind of uh, judgments. You know, you could call it forensics or whatever. But you know, one of the like, if you think of like the the common controls that you see in these heavily regulated industries, like the most common one is change management, right? Where yeah. um, you have to have a bunch of paperwork, a big discussion, lots of fanfare about making a change. And, you know, that's fine if you make a change once every six months, but it doesn't work if you want to make hundreds of changes a day. It just doesn't work at that kind of speed. And then it's like, well, okay, what do we want to do? Do, do we want to actually get closer to to speed or do we are we happy with this? And the reason I started Cosly in the first place was I did a consulting gig with a, a, a bank in, um, in Australia and they'd gone from six-month releases to six-week releases. And... You know, they you know the results were fantastic. You know, much less uh, emergency changes, uh, much higher chance of a of a release being successful, and so on. Um, and they would like to get to daily or even on demand deployments. And if you looked at the path to there, the, the problem wasn't in the development or the technical side. It was that it took three weeks to get a release out the door. You know, cut a yeah. branch, uh, fill out the forms in SharePoint create a change request in service now, have the cab meeting, put a change in the change calendar, do it in the change window with the whole team around it. You know, that whole story uh, was like the limiting factor with, uh, on them improving. And if you looked at that, each of those steps in there were supposed to be to either meet a regulation or to um, address a risk. But, you know, as you started to peel a peak, Peel apart it. Like well, you look at the APRA um, guidance. This is the regulator in Australia, and they don't say you need to have a cab meeting, but that was kind of how they'd always managed the the change. Yeah. So that there's like there's lots of other ways you can manage the change. What about if you just recorded all the commits that are going out automatically? What if you recorded the test results automatically? What if you made the approval process? a pull request with a, the with the right people making the, the decisions? What if you had an automated deployment? If you managed, if the risks were low for a change, why not let the change happen without a meeting? You know, and start to realize, well, hold on. If we could just start to gather this evidence and keep track of things, then maybe this whole change process can go. And that's kind of, that was the, the, the start of what, became costly. It's like, let's let's do this. Uh, along the way, we also realized that you actually needed to record what was running in production. Like, you had to monitor what was running because the only way to be in compliance in a continuous basis is, you know, what's in prod? Where did it come from? Does it meet your expectations? So without actually tracking what's in prod, you know, deployments can come around the side. You can have breaches. Um, Swedbank had a, a fantastic um, issue with the... the the regulator earlier this year where they got fined $85 million. And they were investigated because there was a problem with their mobile banking app, I believe, and it showed the wrong balances and it caused users to behave in ways than they would normally behave. So it was quite a big deal, even if it was, it didn't underlying, didn't change any of the underlying ledger. Everything was still good from a, from a, uh, and data integrity perspective, but it was still an issue for the customers. Um, so the regulator in Sweden fined them $85 million, and it was, wasn't was because they'd made the mistake, although that really was part of it, but it was also because they didn't have an, uh, 
they didn't have sufficient risk controls in place to deal with unauthorized changes. You think, ah, oh, okay, that, that's interesting because who does? I mean, who can honestly tell what was running at any point in time and whether it should have been running or not? That's a really hard problem to solve. And that that's kind of where we realized that you can't just focus on the delivery process. You also need to close the loop with what's running in production. And uh, if you have if you have a complete forensic history of what's running and where it came from, then you go a long, long way to solving for your audit problems. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it's interesting. You, you mentioned the phrase, uh, flight recorder, you know, that, that's mm-hmm. sort of what people are looking for. Um, you know, what, what you guys do to a certain extent is, is sort of analogous and analogous to that to, uh, you know, not just did the plane land, did the plane take off, but what, what happened, uh, in between, um, is that something that is you know is is becomes the the foundation for for the entire development team, or is that sort of primarily used by the auditing team, or do you find you know it starts in one place and then as the team becomes more proficient, um, it's like other things in DevOps they just sort of they merge together and you don't have these sort of separations of, of functions and and concerns. Yeah, so I mean that's definitely what we see. Is quite often it will be will be implemented as part of a platform engineering uh, story or um, a move to a cloud or a new uh, developer experience uh, being put into place. So we'll come along as, you know, the impl- it's typically SREs or DevOps engineers who are implementing the tool. Um, but then we're actually sitting on really quite useful information, like when this deployment happened, what was the code difference between this and what was running before? Not just the git commit that was deployed but what did it replace um and you know we have slack integrations a lot of a lot of highly regulated places it's really hard for a developer to even know where their commits are did this is is my feature in production yet uh, i don't have access to the cloud console uh maybe you know there's a lot of questions around just sharing the knowledge um right. that that we have the answers to so especially when you it's kind of funny as well, like that you have uh, typical organizations have gone to uh, like a more of a microservices architecture, which has a lot of benefits, like loosely coupled architecture really does help you deliver software. Uh, but it does introduce new challenges, right? When you have 100 microservices, what changed suddenly becomes really important when you have an incident because it across 100 pipelines that may or may not have functionally deployed, uh, it's really hard to know even what the what the difference between production is this morning than from yesterday. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you guys use a, a term or a concept called DevOps automated governance. Um, what what is that? What, what does it mean? And, and I guess most importantly, like what what do companies get in terms of benefit from that? Because it, it it it's like we mentioned before. It sort of combines all the words that we want to have, but you know, give me a sense of, of what that means in your world. Well, I mean, it's a bit of a, you know, a $5 phrase. I don't know if, honestly, I don't know if it helps or if it hinders the, the, the term because yeah. yeah, you're right. All those, those three words are all good things that we'd like to have. We we'd like governance, but we'd like it in our DevOps and we'd like it to be automated. Great. Okay. But what does that mean in practice? Well, it, it goes back to like the, the big picture again, like you need to have a process that controls for your risk. So you could, for example, say one of the risks we have in our 
hypothetical bank is that we have insider threats. Someone inside the business is malicious or deploys code that we don't want. Uh, and the risk we have in place, uh, sorry, the control we have in place to, to manage that risk is uh, code reviews, as an example. Okay, so that, that that's fine. You've got that written down in your 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 software development lifecycle somewhere on your wiki pages. Uh, now the challenge is how do you enforce that across everything that ever touches production? And this is where the, the concept of automation comes in because what you can do is you can, in your pipelines, check for these things and record the fact that you made that check, the, gather the receipt, if you like, and store that and say, okay, now we have a control of which uh, which software has pull requests and we can make decisions on whether we deploy or not, whether we create an alert, whatever we do off the back of that, we start to turn all of this policy, if you like. There's a lot of talk about policy as code, but I like to think more about policy as data because what you want to do is to get the data to prove that you followed your policy. The decision's important, but really what's also important is the receipt. Yeah, no, it makes it makes total sense. It makes total sense. I, I'm curious, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll sort of wrap up with this because I know that uh, you've, you've got busy, busy things going on at, at DevOps Enterprise Summit. Um, you know, you've obviously got a bunch of background in this, both from, from you know, your consulting days, but also, uh, you know, having turned a lot of that experience into into the product of, of Cosly. And we always love to to talk to folks who build things that that sort of came directly from their knowledge. Do you find um, that there's, there's any sort of good, you know, kind of crawl, walk, run uh, methodology or, you know, steps that you find companies have as they're, you know, they're, they're, they're moving into environments in which, you know, governance is important, or you're, you're just having teams that are, that are kind of being built in which they now have to interact with those compliance and governance people. Is there, is there sort of a, you know, common first step, common sort of next phase, common third phase or, or something along those lines? Yeah. I mean, I think like the, the very foundation is going back to the people and starting with having a conversation because okay say you would like to do some kind of automation around your compliance efforts none of that can happen unless you all agree to some policy you need to be able to write this down um and it can start even just a corner so like typically a good opportunity to start this new um conversation is like okay we're starting with a new developer platform or we're moving to the cloud or we'd like to use kubernetes or, or you know something like this you say yeah. given this new change how would we like to do change management in this process? Because our business goals to go to Kubernetes say is that we'd like to have uh, more frequency in our deploys, more resiliency, and uh, a move to containerization, which will give us more immutability and better auditability of our technology. So, you know, you have to start selling these concepts in to the, the right people because in the end if you can't change the policy to say oh, we don't need a cab because we're solving it in this way on this system then you're not really going to get very far but um, say that that's the kind of the, the very beginning can we can we show that we can r control risk and give you better insight into uh, governance by making this change and then from there you can start to move towards the technical realm I would say yeah no that makes it makes a ton of sense. I think, you know, if we were to boil down kind of all the things we talk about here on the, on the podcast, it, it does boil down to that. Uh, you know, the, the business wants to do something new. It's probably going to involve 
technology change at, at a different pace than you're used to or with a different path than you're used to. And, and oftentimes the success or, or failure of those things boil down to, you know, can you, can you adapt to those change and, and wrap sort of new, new skills and new process around that, that type of change. So no, that's a, that's a great point um, in terms of this stuff isn't, and I, and I think you've been reiterating this throughout, you know, throughout the conversation is this stuff isn't some, you know, crazy voodoo magic. It's really just applying, you know, DevOps principles with this idea that, you know, you, you need to have, you need to have the receipts, you need to have data, you need to do change management well. Um, and you don't have to, you don't have to necessarily do things exactly the way you did before. Um, but, you know, a lot of your muscles that you used before are probably reusable um, if you can adapt them in certain ways. Yeah, I think also as a, as a tool vendor, I'm, I'm one of the weird ones that always says that actually tools are usually the last part of the solution. Yeah. You know, it's the people that you need to start with in the organization. But on the other hand, like adopting a new tool, having a strategic uh, new technology in your stack can help be the lever that opens up those conversations as well. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing we've seen quite a bit is, is as much as we follow the DevOps uh, movement and, and bid to events and, and everybody talks about it. You're right. Sometimes, you know, just having something that that's a better, a better lever, a better, a better hammer, um, you know, while it's probably not going to be the, the, the end all be all oftentimes is, is a really good starting point. Um, mm. Before I let you go, what, what is oftentimes if, if folks are, are looking for, you know, ways to, to put, you know, sort of wrap better de- uh, governance around their DevOps. What what are the best ways to engage with with the Cosly team? Get started with the tool. Get started with the technology. Yeah, I mean, we have. I mean, Cosly is a free. We have a free, free tier to get started. You can try it out. We have a Slack community, great documentation, and you know, we're always happy to have a conversation and and, and learn more about your your needs. So, we've been doing this for a while now and helped a lot of companies. So, if you do want to get in touch, we've got lots of ways for you to do that on our website. Outstanding. Outstanding. Mike, thank you very much for the time. Uh, I know you're going to get back to the conference and, and it's getting started, but uh, thank you much so much for the time, folks. Um, you know, as we've mentioned before, uh, this space is is one that, um, you know, is is constantly evolving. Um, we, we build off of the sort of learnings from the previous, you know, five years, six years, seven years. But, uh, you know, DevOps is a space that, that continues to evolve. So hopefully this was, this was helpful to you. Um, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the community. And uh, thank you again to Mike for, for his time today. So folks with that, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 